Good evening, and welcome to Null News Now. My name is Merrick Counts, and this is your technology news for the week ending in October 10th. All right, let's jump right into security. So it seems like there is new malware being exploited that uses and abuses the Microsoft Windows Error Reporting Service. That's a mouthful to say. This was discovered, yep, you guessed it, in a malicious MS Word doc micro. Um, when will enough be enough and VBA goes the way of COBOL and JavaScript? Ooh, wait. Those are both used all over the place still. Uh, note to self, don't create a horrible language um, because if you do, it will plague developers for the rest of t the time. All right, so Facebook starts a new Hacker Plus loyalty program that is aiming to offer additional rewards and benefits to security researchers and those out there that uh, for their bug bounty program and security program. So it uh, adds some extra nice features and uh, kind of wants to build a, a rapport system so that repeat um, customers or people that uh, continually find stuff can be rewarded more. Um, my only question was, and really disappointment here was, it didn't seem to come with a credit card. Uh, that's where all of these loyalty programs really lead to, so I was expecting a credit card. Have you got an email telling you that you they have dirt on Trump? The only dirt you'll get if you open that is on your own face. A new series of phishing Emails have been going out reporting that they have dirt on political people. And these are all phishing emails. Just remember whether you're at home or at the office, phishing is real. And if it's on your work email, just do not open it. If it's in your private email, don't open it okay. on any email. If you don't know where it's coming from, don't open it. WordPress, not a name you're gonna hear in security, except probably in the numerous security flaws found in their plugins. I don't actually think it's WordPress itself, but mostly unupdated plugins. Anyways, um, you never hear about WordPress in a good way. And today's is a little bit good in that Cloudflare can now automatically optimize for it, uh, giving, loading your, making your web pages that are served by WordPress way faster. The bad news, this doesn't help with any vulnerabilities. I don't even know why I put it in the security section. So let's move on to open source news. Talk about surprises in open source. I actually never thought I would cover the same, this company two weeks in a row. So this week, uh, Apple and the Swift team open sourced Swift algorithms. Um, now, if you remember last week, they open sourced Swift system. Now they're open sourcing Swift algorithms, which adds some extra algorithms um, on that aren't in the base core Swift. Um, and yeah, Apple's added again, actually contributing to the community. Um, 
These are a really great place. Uh, I actually love the C++ algorithms. It was a way I learned when I was first getting started. I was got, I got to see people that knew what they were doing with the language and learn from them, solving some very difficult and hard algorithms. Now, that being said, um, there are only about 12 people that can read C++ templates because that's how they do their generics and it's a, a little bit terse. So if you're looking at getting into Swift, I think Swift algorithms is probably a really good place to start. You can see how they handle generics and things like this because uh, a lot of algorithms around containers and data sets. So it's a great place to learn how to write idiomatic high performance algorithms in Swift. So go check that out if that's interests you. So Knative is another popular open source project that uh, was developed by Google. Um, and if you don't know much about it, it's part, part about of the, um, I want to say cloud native, but it's not part of cloud native. And that's kind of one of the things it's still run by Google. And it seems like they are looking to become vendor neutral ish. So Google is still going to own the rights to it, but they want other vendors to have uh, some lead members in the project. So when I say this, they're still like with Istio, not giving it to the CNCF. It seems like Google, uh, Google is kind of second guessing its open source strategy uh, as they were all gun ho on the CNCF. It looks like this year they have decided the CNCF is not for them or any of their future open source projects. So I would not if Google creates a project, I would not assume that it's going to go to the CNCF, even if it's a project that is used heavily in the CNCF world or the cloud native world. Um, so Knative is kind of going a similar way and it's not being released to one of these foundations. So if you're not familiar with open source foundations, there's a few of them uh, off the top of my head. You can talk about ones like the CNCF, the cloud native um, computing foundation. And then you have your Apache, you have your Eclipse, some of your older open source foundations that are stewards of projects and try to keep them vendor neutral. So anyhow, I personally think that this is a big mistake for Google and that they're missing the point. Uh, I feel like they they're a little upset about uh, AWS and Azure having Kubernetes services, but really Kubernetes is what put GCP on the roadmap. Uh, GCP and Google have been some of the best managed service for Kubernetes uh, out there. And I really think that that's, if I was going to tell you one reason to use GCP and it, it would be for the best Kubernetes experience out there, um, the most supported apps, the easiest install of things and the best support for it. So really, I think that's what put them on the roadmap and Kubernetes only got its popularity because they released it to the CNCF and open sourced it like that. If they hadn't done that, none of this would have been as big of a deal and GCP would not be nearly the competitor it is today. So anyways, I think they should rethink it. If you're listening to me, Google, I think you should rethink your strategy. So talking about that, let's talk about Kubernetes one of the biggest open source projects that I maintain coverage of. What is the future of Kubernetes? Well, I can tell you 
it's VR. And if you can't kill infected pods by shooting them in Doom, uh, I don't want it. And you know what? Lucky for you, you can. So if you want Cube Doom, you can go check out the project on. This is absolutely not even that awesome of news. But there you go, Nomad. I want a way to kill my containers running in Nomad in Doom. Uh, but more importantly, let's move on to Rancher 2.5 was released. And uh, this actually is probably what I assume is going to be their last release uh, before the acquisition by SUSE is done. So the next release from Rancher, you can probably assume is going to be uh, more integrated into the SUSE ecosystem. So being their last one, uh, they actually really pushed the ball here and did some really great things around a better UI, um, some improved monitoring and compliance. Now, I'm going to have to rant just a little bit here because they made it as confusing as possible. Part of Rancher 2.5 release brought what they're calling Rancher D. And this is a systemd Kubernetes in Rancher installer, and it's powered by RKE government, and RKE government is actually RKE 2. <sighs> Let me break this down. So RKE1 is their Rancher's Kubernetes engine that was the get-go. They're kind of the thing that created and expanded Kubernetes clusters for you. It would add nodes, it would remove nodes, whatever. It had some real problems. And so they were starting this project called RKE2, which took more of a Kubadium approach and things like that to handle your containers. And I really like RKE2. What got confusing is their naming. Purely, they have three names for the same project. They have RKE2, they have RKE Government, and they have Rancher D. There is nothing different between all three of these. RKE Government sounds like something made specifically for the government that I wouldn't want. Um, Rancher D sounds like a daemon that runs but it's just their RKE2 installer. I'm actually very confused. And I'm I watch Rancher quite a bit. They're, they're, they were one of the last independent Kubernetes distributions. And it was really confusing for me. So, anyways. Um, I, I think it's really confusing and does them a disservice because RKE2 is really interesting. But it's also called RKE Government and it's also called Rancher D depending on where the crap you look for it. I'm here to set the record straight. I don't work for Rancher, but RKE, Rancher D, RKE2, and RKE Government look to all be the same project. And RKE Government or Rancher RKE2 or Rancher D all seem to bring the same monitoring and whatnot uh, improved lifecycle management. So this is a good thing. RKE2 has been one of the things I've been looking for to be finally released as I've seen that they've been working on it. So this is really exciting because it brings a much better um, cluster management to uh, Rancher. It was just very very confusing. So despite this naming kerfuffle, um, the release of RKE2 or government or Rancher D, whatever you want to call it, is exciting, no matter what you want to call it, um, as I think that it solves a lot of RKE1's 
um, issues. So if you are a rancher person, you should be excited. Um, this is a, a exciting release. Anyways, let's move on. Kubernetes has taken to the sky. And no, I'm not talking about to the cloud like Azure or GKE, GKE, GCP or AWS. I'm talking about above the clouds in a U2 spy plane. So um, there's nothing on this good earth that will not have Kubernetes running in it. I'm actually starting to think that our cell phones are just a Kubernetes node. You know, that's what Android is based off of. But I have yet to prove that. That's just a conspiracy at this point. But yes, uh, uh, spy planes, ML, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what part of its machine learning was powered by the Kubernetes cluster on board, but they used Kubernetes to power a U2 spy plane. So um, yeah, Kubernetes is taking over the world. All right, so I found out this week I had a ton of info on the machine learning, and so I'm going to be covering that. So for all of you that are here, I don't actually, uh, I don't use the word AI because artificial intelligence uh, kind of confuses me. It's kind of like pointing at a plane and saying they made artificial flight or, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's my uh, I don't understand it. So I use machine learning. I like the terminology a lot better. Anyways, let's get into it. So uh, ML is a lot of the time very expensive to get into. You need a nice GPU and then even just a single nice GPU. You need a lot of data and you get a lot of data and a single nice GPU doesn't really cut it. So for a lot of hobbyists, this is a problem. And another problem is a lot of times you want to power your small AI on the edge. You want to watch and make sure that coffee pot isn't empty, but you don't want to put a GPU behind it. And a lot of times you find things like a Raspberry Pi to just be slightly underpowered for what you're needing it for. A while ago, NVIDIA came out with a project called the Jetson, and the Jetson looked to solve this, but it still wasn't cheap. And I'm happy that they have now released a new Jetson board called the Mini Jetson, or the Jetson Nano, because we're accurate news. And the Jetson Nano looks to actually solve this. It's a two gigabyte Jetson Nano, so two gigabytes of memory. It comes in at 60 USD here in the States. And it's actually going, it looks like it's going to power um, some of those edge applications that you might want a GPU for. And so uh, I'm putting in my order. Hopefully NVIDIA can actually fulfill this order better than they can their new graphics cards. And if they can, you'll see some videos and we'll train a Jetson board to do some things. Talking about NVIDIA, let's talk. It seems like they're killing their Quadro line and replacing it with the A6000 as well as the A40. The A40 seems like it's a lot like the T40, the Tesla T40 uh, replacement. So if you're looking for a more business in line card, you're going to be going to be looking at these new ones um, as they seem to be the replacement for the Quadro. So. So another thing that NVIDIA did, uh, because they did a lot in this space this last week, they released 
an AI video encoding. If you know anything about video encoding, it's very difficult because video encoding usually does a lot of things where they take multiple frames and that's why you can see like scrolling. Sometimes if you see an encoded scrolling, it doesn't encode very well because it tries to do like deltas between the, the different frames. And there's a bunch of different ways. And AV1 is a really cool way. I like the, the open source project, AV1 encoding. So those are that's one thing to look at if you're interested in this. But what NVIDIA did was they used an AI on both sides to use less bandwidth for high resolution video. So basically, there was an AI interpreting what they was getting and expanding that into a high resolution video. It's really cool. And I love the the unique take on uh, AIs. They actually used an AI to make up data so that they could send less data, which is really awesome. And I think that it's a really cool way of using machine learning. All right, so uh, talking about a lot of these GPUs um, and self-driving, self-driving news has nothing to do with Tesla. So a lot of people think Tesla's the very, the very cutting edge, but it seems like Waymo or Waymo. I'm not really sure. I call him Waymo. So it seems like Waymo is really looking to push its fully self-driving cars later this year. Now, I work very hard to prove everything that I stayed on here and have uh, very accurate references for. This one, I don't have as solid ones, so this is more of a speculation, and I wanted to let you know that, but it does appear that in the Phoenix area, if you have low self-worth, self-esteem, and like to put your hands in the, your life in the hands of people in Silicon Valley, Google is going to have a service for you there in Waymo. Um, now, I know that they've done some self-driving tests there, and I know that the pandemic kind of shut down a lot of their service there. And as I understand it, they're looking to ramp that back up. So be looking if you're in the Phoenix, Arizona area, you might have some Skynet, uh, I wanted to call them minivans. I think they're minivans. They look like minivans to me. I'm going to I'm going to call them my the Skynet minivans. They're kind of like creeper vans. And I'm sure that Google is going to advertise to you in them. So have fun with that. Let's move on to our cloud news. All right. So it seems like Azure's outages are not behind them this week. They suffered from another outage in their DevOps um, and a lot of people's CICD were failing. Um, and yeah, this is just another hit after the outages last week to some of their services as well. Um, it's in a different uh, section, but again, kind of a rough two weeks for them. Um, that being said, in a fan, what I believe to be a fantastic rebuttal to Google's complete bullheaded approach to remote work, uh, Microsoft did announce that flexibility was going to be standard moving forward. Now, they did not come out and say that they would hire full remote all the time right now, but they did say that part-time work from home was going to be considered standard from now on. So if you wanted to work two days from home, even once the pandemic is done, that was going to be fine and standard. Um, they also said that 
working with the teams. It seemed like it was a lot up to the teams. Uh, even more was available. So it seemed like they were very open to understanding the new work space and being flexible with their employees. So I really appreciate that. It also seems that in this move, um, OpenShift continues to improve on Azure. I, I originally didn't believe the OpenShift uh, product on Azure was really worth it, but it, after this price drop of up to 77% per node, as well as dropping the minimum number of nodes to run an OpenShift cluster, and upping the SLA to 99.95%, it's not the best SLA, but it's not bad. I think it's ready for prime time. If you run a OpenShift cluster and you wanna run it multi-cloud, I think Azure is now a good solution and a good place to run your OpenShift uh, cluster. Now, that being said, I haven't used it um, to run an OpenShift cluster in any amount of time recently, so uh, I, I'm not. I can't comment on how good that experience is. But if I know the OpenShift team and the Azure team, uh, a good workflow is usually very high priority for both of those teams. So I could expect. Uh, only some of the best um, experiences there. No, I'm not sponsored. I don't. I don't know if I need to keep saying that, but I'm not. All right. So that's a uh, that was the biggest news for Azure. AWS. Um, let's see. So they had their distributed load testing reached version 1.1. That was just released. Um, and you can now better understand how your apps will run and handle at load in your at AWS infrastructure. If you're expecting to see a spike in load, or if you're just wondering how it's going to scale out and want to run some simulations, then I suggest that you check this out. Now, the AWS Architecture Center got re redesigned to help you find what you need. But if I have ever seen a reorganization help me find things, it's the exact opposite. Maybe in six months I'll be able to find the things, but I sure as crap won't be able to find them today. Anyways, so just be looking out for that. If you're a heavy user of the AWS Architecture Center, you might see a new dashboard here soon. All right, so I've really left the best for last with AWS. AWS released this week what they're calling their extensions for Lambda. So now it's generally available. You could have used it in beta before this. But anyways, these extensions allow you to integrate with the following tools for compliance and monitoring inside your Lambda functions. Uh, so you have things like AppDynamics, Checkpoint, Datadog, um, Dynatrace, Espeon, HashiCorp, Name, New, <laughs> New Republic, Thunderous, Blunk, AWS App Config, and Amazon CloudWatch Lambda Insights. So this will give you better compliance and better um, logging on your Lambda functions. This is something that, quite honestly, without, really made Lambda functions hard or impossible for a corporation to use. 
All right, let's move on to GCP. Um, GCP released open source build packs to help you containerize your apps. If you don't know what build packs are, I've actually left an informational link down below just uh, so you could look and explore what a build pack is. But basically, these help you build secure containers that will work on GCP. Now they state that it will work 100% work on GCP and GKE and all of Google's cloud uh, infrastructure. But they did state that the build packs are 100% compatible with the CNCF version three of the build pack spec. So they should really work on any cloud provider. Google's just guaranteeing that they work on Google's. Uh, so anyways, even if you don't run on Google, and even if you don't want to use these build packs, if you're interested in learning more about build packs, I looked over them. They actually look really, really well done. So I think that you could use them as a basis for how you build your own build packs or how you build your containers. So I still think that they're a great learning resource, even if you're not going to use Google's build packs. Uh, Cloud Run now gets server-side HTTP gRPC streaming with larger limits. Uh, so larger request limits, gRPC services and server sent events. So if you're a, a user of Cloud Run, um, these, sh these features could be very, very useful um, if you haven't been, don't have the infrastructure to do something like this. They also had a small improvement in their AI platform prediction and Go's general availability. Uh, this has been in beta for a while and I've already covered it, but it's GA now. It's in has improved reliability and now comes with ML workflow integration. So if you work with their ML workflows, it now integrates with it. And so you can have that all in one place and it's, it's, it's ready for prime time. So if you're wanting or looking into the AI platform predictions, you should go check them out. All right, so DigitalOcean is what I would call the underdog in the cloud wars, not just because they have the ocean and the ocean is under the clouds, but they are kind of the small player. But I've always said that they're a great option for hobbyists and corporations alike. That being said, they usually provide pretty bare bones services. You want a droplet, basically a VM, uh, they have those if you want, you know, some of these very basic things, they have them, but they don't have a lot of the finer services that you'll find other places. It looks like they're trying to put that to an end. This last week, DigitalOcean released the DigitalOcean app platform. And basically, the app platform is a way that uh, you can run your app without worrying about anything else. So you can point it at a Git repo, have it deploy your app and scale your app. Now it is powered, uh, Look, I dug into it for you guys. It is powered by their Kubernetes engine, Kubernetes engine that you can use. And I think it's actually the best bang for your buck Kubernetes engine. You don't have to pay for the, I've actually been wanting to do a comparison of the cloud Kubernetes engines. Would you guys be interested in that? It's going to be an expensive, video. So I need to know that you guys want it because for me to make a video on the best uh, cloud Kubernetes engine, I need to actually run workloads in them for a month. And it's going to come out to be like $500 to make that video to do the bare necessities, 
the bare requirements uh, to make that a good video. So if you do want it, like and subscribe to this video, leave a comment that you want it and tell your friends to come here and like and subscribe to this, vid this video and leave a comment that they would want that. Um, and I will make that happen. But I, I just need to know that you actually want it. Anyhow, that being said, I think that they have one of the best uh, managed Kubernetes engines uh, as far as dollar wise. It doesn't have the most features, uh, but if you're wanting to do it for cheap, you can do it for $20. And that gives you a two, I think it gives you a two node cluster. So it's definitely worth checking out if you're learning Kubernetes and want one hosted in the cloud. Now, that being said, this app platform is provide or powered by that, but basically allows you to know nothing about Kubernetes. All you have to do is point it to your Git repo and you can have it build and publish your container in Kubernetes. While I haven't gotten to fully explore this offering yet, um, I do know that it's built on top of their Kubernetes engine, which like I've said, is the best bang for your buck if you're looking into getting into Kubernetes and want a cloud managed Kubernetes. Um, and it looks to be trying to fully support GitOps um, as they're taking the approach of letting you deploy your apps straight from Git repos. Now it looks like there's other options for managing what apps are deployed and whatnot, but it also looks like you could just point it at your team's Git repository and run it that way. Um, and that being said, while it's built on top of Kubernetes, it doesn't require, or so they say, any knowledge of Kubernetes at all. It handles all of that for you. All of the load balancers, all the uh, scaling is handled for you. So it looks like a very interesting service for small teams. And they say that they do it more efficiently than what you could by managing the Kubernetes cluster yourself. I'm assuming it's because they don't charge for some things like load balancers inside of that ar architecture. But I'm gonna have to explore it before I tell you anything more about it. Um, as again, I haven't tried it yet, but I can assure you as soon as I do, I will release a video on it. All right, so let's move on to just some general news that I found somewhat interesting or humorous. The first one is definitely humorous. What do tech companies not need, especially when you have a CEO, which is one of the nicest, sweetest people on the internet, never says anything bad in a Twitter storm. And uh, oh yeah, it's, it's Tesla. I, I, I read a rumor that Tesla is getting rid of its PR department and that kind of shocked me. Anyways. Moving on to something more interesting. IBM has become so profitable, so massive, that it is impossible to manage itself as one company. And it must split and break into two. To be honest, with how much they paid for Red Hat, it seems like almost 50% of the, the remaining Red Hat or IBM will be Red Hat. Um, IBM's real problem is an identity identity crisis. Um, no one knows what the crap they're doing because it's always changing. First, they're doing networking. No, no, now we're doing PCs. No, no, now we're doing semiconductors. That's where the money's. No, 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 no. It's managed infrastructure. <gasps> nope, not managed infrastructure anymore, guys. It's hybrid cloud. You know what? 
I'm calling that in five years, they're going to be a fantastic home appliance company. Better watch out, GE, Whirlpool, and LG. IBM is going to make the best toaster this world has ever seen. And IBM, when you're going to make this toaster, call me because I actually have some really great ideas for the toaster of the future. So when you've realized that home appliances are where you're really actually good at, let me know. Another interesting thing was GameStop. <laughs> GameStop. GameStop struck a deal with Microsoft um, to use its cloud. To be honest, I'm not. GameStop stock rose sharply on this news, but I don't actually understand the full implications, like why its stock moved at all um, with a large deal to use its cloud. Honestly, I don't. I don't get it. I know that it happened. So GameStop is going to be using. Um, Azure. Now, I know that Microsoft releases the Xbox, and I did see that GameStop was going to be re uh, giving away uh, some of Microsoft's services. So I'm wondering if some of the deals have to do more around Xbox than really they do with Azure. All right. So uh, one of uh, this week's project shout outs I found was Sysmon, which is a very Windows-esque task manager. Windows Task Manager-esque top for Linux. That's kind of what I meant to say. Um, it looked kind of cool if the UI is your thing, if you don't like using top, if you're getting into Linux and you'd like a few more UI things, a little few more UI tools to make it a little bit more at home, I I would check out Sysmon. So go ahead and check that out. Another project shout out, we covered it earlier This in this, is Knative. If you don't know what Knative is, Knative is an attempt to do the serverless workloads on Kubernetes. Now, I find Knative to be quite funny because to run Knative, you need Kubernetes, and to run Kubernetes, you need machines. And so like in their attempt to make this serverless workloads, you have to have all of these servers. Um, but the goal is that your teams can have these serverless workloads and then you can have another layer. So it's abstracting the layer at, in which who knows what and who is responsible for what. So if you don't know what Knative is, I know I mentioned it earlier in this news with how Google is looking to break up the management so it's not just managed by Google, at least not in a project. Google will still own all trademark rights to it, but they might just not lead the management of the code 100%. Anyhow, um, so if you're interested in Knative, you should go check that out. As always, guys, links are below. Let me know how you're liking these new segments. What would you like changed? What would you like covered? Am I covering it? Am I not covering it? I don't know unless if you tell me. So please let me know what you like, what you don't like, and any feedback that you have. And uh, I'll continue bringing you the news every week. Unless you guys say that you just don't like my news segments and would prefer that I spend some of this time making more videos on things like Bottle Rocket or Kubeflow. And if that's the case, I can do that. Just let me know. Anyhow, my name is Merrick Counts. I hope that you guys have a fantastic rest of your week.